Yo, what up, what up, what up? This is the Lazy Philosophers Podcast, and today I got with us Brian Rowe. What's going on? How's everybody doing? Dude, I think everybody is doing, um, probably having some level of anxiety. <laughs> yeah, dude, everybody's always having anxiety. Yeah, man. So th- that's what I want to talk to Brian about. We we're always talking about existentialism and anxiety in it, and this episode is going to be titled Anxiety, just because I think it'll reach more people, because a lot of people don't know what existentialism mm. is. Oh, yeah. But I think they are really coupled together, because they're constantly mm. based in questioning what things mean. Exactly, yeah. No, man, I, I get that. Existentialism, man. I, uh, I'm constantly thinking about existentialism because I'm wondering, you know, you base your life on how you exist. So when you look at that, I mean, there's so many different factors to how you exist. Like when you look at your life, you have to kind of look at who you're trying to be and what you're trying to do. And I think that causes anxiety in itself because you're like trying to figure out who you are as a person. And at the same time, by trying to do that, you, you're kind of analyzing everything. Yep. And that causes you to get anxious because you're like, you're looking at uh, all the different factors yep. of your life and analyzing them, how they exist within you. So when you like, when you look in, you start to worry about, you know, the different things like, am I a good person? Uh, what, what happens when I die? Like all those thoughts, one sec, sorry. All those thoughts kind of weave in and out of each other. So when like, like my biggest fear that causes anxiety is uh, death. I know you already talked about this in your podcast, but um, when I was like five, I realized what death was, which is a crazy thing for a five-year-old to understand. And I realized that it might be nothingness at five years old. And that kind of developed, throughout life it's kind of developed into its own thing. Where like <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, I was at the Lazy Philosopher open mic, I had a, I had a panic attack before the open mic. Because, um, because, like, during the day, my OCD got so bad, because OCD is an anxiety-based disorder. I just, <clears throat> mine's, like, mostly the compulsions are gone, like, the physical compulsions, but I compulse in my own mind. So, like, I'll, like, rethink thoughts, like, compulsively, and try to rationalize them, which is actually the opposite of what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just accept that it's a thought and move on. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll sit in a thought and just rethink it and try to, like, analyze it and understand it. And that causes the anxiety to build on itself. So, like, I, I literally had, like, a day where I was literally just, like, thinking about the most, the most ridiculous thing. Like, it's, it, literally, I, I looked up the facts on it. Like, so, like, I, it was, like, I had, like, a scratch on my face. And I got worried that it would get infected. And it's, like, in this area that's known as the, like, triangle. Yeah. And, like, that area, like, if it, if it gets infected, you can die. Because, it's like, those veins stem to the back of your skull. So, like, it's the most ridiculous thing to get anxious about because, like, 44 people in like the past 70 years have had this happen and it's been like in rural rural countries they don't have like modern medicine so i got anxious about this and like i actually thought like i did that thing where i went on webmd yeah started looking up the symptoms and i was like oh oh my god i have this and like i started creating the symptoms to Mm -hmm. myself and like that like that's like it's just insane that like i let the anxiety get to me to that level where, like, I, I actually believe, like, something this extreme that doesn't really happen was going to happen. But that's what anxiety does. Is it's irrational things that you overanalyze, and then you start compulsing about them. Like, another thing I always worry about is, like, uh, intrusive thoughts, which are, like, that's part of OCD. They're, uh, they're like, the thoughts you don't want to have. It's just yeah. all the stuff in your head that you don't want. So, like, I'll have, like, like some thought about like hurting someone 
and I was reading an article. I, like I, I literally researched OCD to the full capacity. You can research it. And uh, I read this article. To an obsessive level. <laughs> to, an obsessive, yeah, to an obsessive level. That's the thing, though, is because OCD in and of itself is a part of, like, what I'm talking about with OCD is you become obsessed with your obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm. So it feeds in on onto itself. So, like, part of the thing of having is I'll, like, I'll tell myself not to think intrusive thoughts. And in and of that self, it'll cause you, it's like a paradoxical argument because you'll say, hey, don't think these intrusive thoughts. But in order to tell yourself not to think these intrusive thoughts, you have to think those intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. So then you question what, if you were actually thinking those it, thoughts. So it gets in this huge feedback loop mm-hmm. of everything like that. And by, by even addressing it, right, you basically subconsciously accept it. Yeah. Right? So like whenever you accept somebody's horrible argument, right, whenever you answer to them, in some way you say it's worth answering or responding to. Mm-hmm. That's what, yeah, that's what you do is you start analyzing and, like you, and then you try and reassure yourself. Yeah. And well, that's actually like not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to reassure yourself. You're supposed to just go, okay, this is just stuff in my head. Yeah. It's not, it's not actually something I want to think about. Because most people, 94% of the world's populace has intrusive thoughts. I don't know how 6% of people don't. I, it's prob- I probably um, general form of retardation, right? Yeah, ADC. probably. It's probably yeah, it probably has something to do with some kind of disorder, but 94% of people have intrusive thoughts. And like the vast majority of people, you have something popping in your head you don't like, you just go, oh, that's weird. And you just move on with your day. But people with OCD don't get that. Like, yeah. They, like, you stay in this. And, like, you you start analyzing it. And, like, that's, like, when people hear OCD, they automatically assume, like, oh, germs and, like, um, like cleanliness. And yeah. My room is dirty as hell. Yeah. Like, I have one of the messiest rooms. But, like, the people who have that level, it's, they, like, they think, like, they're going to hurt someone, like, through, like, having germs. So that's why they wash their hands so much is... Because it's compulsion to get rid of those germs so they don't hurt someone. Mm. So it, it sounds like you are always looking at the effect of your actions, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's this constant um, wave of movement into infinity of what could and what could go wrong. Mm-hmm. In the, and in a sense, it's like the misuse of imagination, right? It, it's like you're, you have a very powerful brain and that you are constantly trying to, to maybe methodically solve problems around you or see problems around you. And it's, that you, it's like you're looking into the wrong areas exactly and right. investing in the wrong kind of problems. It's kind of like... Um, you, I'm sure you've, you've had a huge crush on a girl before, oh, right? Yeah. And there's a part of you that wants to internally solve the problem of the girl, right? It, mm-hmm. it wants to be like, oh, did I do this right? Did I do this right? Did I? Do? And that's why, like, being in love or being in, infatuated with someone is such a, a sickening disease. You actually, like, your your heart feels heavy, and it, it's, it's like, you think about. yeah, it's exhausting because you, you're breaking down everything into smaller and smaller parts. And one of the things you had brought up earlier that I wanted to comment on, but you 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 just brought up a lot of interesting points is. It's when anxiety emerges whenever you start questioning things that you didn't previously question, right? Mm -hmm. You took them implicitly. And to me, um, have you done acting? No. Um, You're a comic, right? Yeah. And when the worst thing you can do is start questioning your 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 act while you're acting, right? Yeah. 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 Hey, when you're on stage, you're not supposed to be like, "Oh, is this joke even going to be funny?" Mm -hmm. Right? Because it disconnects you from the moment. Then you become hyper aware of everybody not enjoying a thing, and you start acting robotically. And so I think it's like anxiety. I I think is actually necessary because those those thoughts are necessary. But I think it's like it's like if it would be really constructive if people could learn how to apply anxiety in certain like areas at a like a really like strong thing to amount of time where you think about all your worries in succession like mm-hmm. for like an hour yeah that's actually one of the that's one of the like things they they have you do to like deal with ocd 
is it's a CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And uh, one of the things that, like, one of the methods of therapy, I've never gone to therapy because I'm a stubborn asshole. Yeah. But um, one of the things that they have, like, people do is, uh, like, they'll just have them say their obsessive thoughts out loud for, like, 20 minutes or something. And a lot of times, like, intrusive thoughts can be really dark stuff. So, like, it's terrifying to say out loud. Like, I don't, I don't generally talk about stuff out loud. But you got, you kind of, by saying out loud, you're like, wow, that is ridiculous. Yeah. That's, that's just, that's not, because uh, there's this dude on YouTube where I've been watching a lot of his videos. Who? Uh, Mark Freeman is his name. I'll check him out. YouTube channel. Mark Freeman, guys. Mark Freeman. He's, uh, he's got a really good YouTube channel for, like, uh, dealing with anxiety because he's gone through this. And uh, what he talks about in his uh, YouTube channel is... You kind of just have to understand what your values are yeah. and be secure in them and know that the reason you're having these thoughts is because they go against your values and the fact that you have them terrifies you because they go against your values. So you're trying to reassure your values by analyzing them and why, why you wouldn't want these things and it's like you just have to know what your values are and know that these go against them because you, in, in order to know what your values are, you have to think things that go against them. Yep. So you just have to know, okay, that goes against my values and be comfortable with that. Well, one of the qu- quickest guides I have, so I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that human beings were actually, so whenever I think you have an existential crisis or, or like start getting tons of anxiety about your values or whatever you're doing in life, it's because we're actually just playing roles, mm-hmm. right? We're playing roles and we're just doing what people tell us and we're in reaction most of the time. And so we're like, oh, this is the role. I'm the kid who, who's apathetic about school and gets high with my friends. That's it. But mm-hmm. when after a while you're like, is this really all there is? Is this all I want to do? I'm going to die one day. Yeah. I'm going to die. And and with that role is then your role starts to shift. You're like, uh, should I what, – what, do I want to do this? Well, these are the consequences of choosing that action. I don't want to do all that. Should I do this? And you, you're, you're trying to see the end of every role you take before you start it. But the thing is is that all roles suck, yeah. right? They're, they're, and that is – one of the most powerful things that I have come to accept is that there are parts of life that just suck, like sure. j- just period. Like and no matter what you do, you will be alienated and alone and, and you will be disjointed and misunderstood. And that most of the time joy are just these brief windows in between anxiety, this prison that we have. But like mm. the thing is once you accept them, the hard part isn't the bad thing. It's accepting the thing, right? It's just mm. being like, hey, yeah, this could be. Period. Mm. And then it's, and then it kind of, there's alleviation. The time I felt the most anxiety was when I was in college and I got so high, I questioned my sexuality. I was like, mm. am I gay? Because I hadn't got laid in like two years. Yeah. And I was like, and then like I had a roommate that came out. I was like, dude, do I not know that? Does somebody, do, do other people like, and, and so that was like one of those intrusive thoughts that was permeated everything in my life. Mm. And I was like hyperactive and like trying to attack it or overcompensate. Oh, yeah. And then finally, you know, I just said it to a friend, like, dude, like, like a year ago, I got so high, and I thought my entire life was a lie. And I was, he's like, "Dude, um, have you have you um, have you ever got a boner to a dude?" It's like, "No." Um, he's like, "Then you're not gay." Yeah. And he's like, "And even if so, what? It doesn't mean anything." And I think one of the things about anxiety is you're constantly trying to see what things mean. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're always it's the implicature behind it, right? It's like, oh. If this action means this, oh, Will calls me over for this podcast. Does that mean we're best friends? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, and you're trying to constantly see where you weigh up. And it's the ego. Because mm-hmm. the ego doesn't know how much to value itself. Yeah. No, that's the thing is, a part of the anxiety is, like, a lot of mine is, like, analyzing it against, like, how people look at me. Mm-hmm. And how people think about Perception. me. Perception. Yeah. It's, so, like, if, if anyone knew about what, I, like, these thoughts have popped in my head, 
they would all like you worry like everybody's gonna hate me I'm yeah. not gonna succeed in life no one's gonna wanna be around me so it's like that feeds into the anxiety yeah is other people's perceptions and I think that that goes along with existentialism is you, you worry about how you exist within a frame of reference to other people yep so in order to like this is something I've really been working at is you can't live based on what other people's standards are for your life exactly so you have to separate out so you have to know who you are and I think a, a big a big part of over overcoming anxiety and just really being alive is being in moments so like don't be a mile ahead or, or everything's shinier in the future mm. everything's ro- rose gold in the past be here though yeah because it's easy to say oh things were better back then because I've gone through periods like I don't know why this I don't know if this is even a thing but have you ever heard of biorhythms yeah yeah biorhythms are uh, I actually learned about them in high school in calculus or not calculus uh, pre-calculus we uh, we did a we did like a, they're on co- uh, sinal waves and cosinal waves so we did a, we did a project where uh, we had to like map our biorhythms and I don't know if there's any evidence back in this I haven't been able to find any but for some reason like I I get really anxious every four years mm-hmm. so like when I was 15 it was really bad and then I just kept living now yeah, and I just kept living life. Everything was fine, and then I was a sophomore in college. For some reason, for no reason, it got really bad again. I didn't know why. It just it just happens. And then it, it just happened again this past year. Everything was fine. This past summer was like, I, I was so happy. And like yeah. Everything was so great. And like, September rolled around. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was added stressors in my life or, or what it was, but like, I... Uh, I had one intrusive thought. Normally, like I've got, I've gotten good at like just being like, oh yeah, that's whatever. But like for some reason, I, I sat on it, and like that. What just was the thought of your mind? Um, I'm not gonna say all yeah. of it. It's, it's it's pretty dumb, but um, so I just sat on it, and like I let that build into itself, and then, like, like I look back through the past couple of months, I've had a lot of fun times, I enjoyed myself, but a lot of it was kind of like coded, and it's like, this like haze. Yeah between like me being worried for no reason with these thoughts and then not being worried and then being worried like this weird cycle and like when I look back it's like I was worrying for nothing because like nothing bad has happened in my life nothing nothing's happened to me I haven't yeah. done anything bad I don't I'm like the thoughts you don't want they're not like things you want to do like there's no evidence that anyone who has like any like intrusive thoughts ever acts on them no there's literally like no evidence that just show people with OCD ever act on our thoughts and that's because it goes against your value system so yeah. you don't want to do these things and that's what worries you is well, the fact you would think them actually I think you'd even do them less because I, yeah. I um, we talked about this on the other episode with Corey but like about like uh, the suicide economist said the people who commit suicide are the ones who don't think about it mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's all yeah. of a sudden they, they get the thought and they've never built up a tolerance to thinking against the thought of suicide yeah. and so they're like I just gotta end it because yeah. they don't have that. They don't have that immune system. Yeah, like one of my biggest worries is like hurting people that I love and care yeah. about. So like that's that's kind of what the thought was about back in September. It's like hurting someone, and like I always like, like, it it kind of sucks because throughout my life when it gets bad, I kind of draw back. Yeah, people I care about because I don't want to think these thoughts. Yeah, about them. So I like I don't interact with them as much. It's hard to interact with them. Like I love hanging out with my friends and family. Like that. That's like. <clears throat> Like, talking about existentialism, like, looking at, like, like, I don't do as many open mics as a lot of people, or, and I'm not hitting comedy as hard as a lot of other comedians, because I value the time I have with my friends and family, because, like, 
like I said, when I was like a kid, I realized like death, like yeah, could be nothingness. But like in in that, I realized maybe like when I was a kid, I realized memories might be the only thing that we get to take with us. Like I realized that in high school, like because I spent a large amount of time, like I thought I was gonna be a pro basketball player. Like yeah. so many people in the Chicago comedy scene. Yeah, like I thought they're gonna yeah. Be, yeah you. Corey Wood, Corey Wood, yeah, Dragovich, yeah, dude. I remember he's out there to be pro basketball. I don't know why. Yeah, I think that's I'm like a I'm like a six foot white dude. Yeah, that's better than uh, being a five foot eight and three fourths Indian black guy. <laughs> that's true. Hey, you got the black part. Though. Yeah, but like back back when I was trying, I looked way more Indian too. So it's just, <laughs> no one's looking. Yeah, the flow. Yeah. yeah flow. Oh, I, there's no just dandruffly fake, <laughs> flaky hair. That's classic. I. But that's when I realized, like, because I spent so much time focusing on basketball, I missed out on a lot of stuff. In high school, like, like experiences, and like, what was funny is I was so like another fear I had is like letting people down and like making mistakes. So like, I was so afraid to make mistakes. Like when I play, like I wouldn't even play yeah. good. Like, no, I understand I just that. Poorly, and like, I'm a way better basketball player than any, anyone ever saw me play, because like I, I went to college and I like play with people. And like, wow, I'm just as good as you, and you started on varsity at your school. Well. That just really shook me, right? Because, like, I have the same experience. Uh, mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to a couple times. I had went to a small uh, private school for high school, but mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to play. Uh, I played a couple varsity games, mm-hmm. right? And in those games, I played dog shit, even though I wasn't dog mm-hmm. shit because I was so afraid of making a mistake. But I think, in a sense, what's deep is how many people don't live the life they want to live because they're so afraid of making mistakes. And this, this, the thing is not about how few mistakes you make, it's about eventually getting it right. You learn from mistakes. Well, some people don't, but you need to. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's what distinguishes people and how, how they approach their eyes and in, in, in performance and going after things. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things is, is people think that their value is tied to how few mistakes they make rather than how big their wins are. Mm-hmm. And I don't think your value is tied to either. Like I've talked about this on other podcast episodes, mm-hmm. but you beat out yeah. 500 million sperm to be here. Like you, you the number, you are so, in, in, such an improbable event to the universe mm-hmm. that you are by virtue one of the most valuable things that have ever happened. And not even on some woo-woo shit. Like, dude, even if you die and it's blackness forever, mm-hmm. you got to experience fucking life. Like, and, and the thing Thing is people always want more because like that's how we're oriented and that's why we have buildings in the sky and everything like that but it's like it's one of those things it's like dude take take a time to just appreciate the fact that it fucking happened mm-hmm. and um i think that when one of the things when and i want to tie this back because i didn't actually make this point earlier is when you talked about is values is one of the things that I did last year was I committed to the character of wanting to do anything a famous comedian would try to do, yeah. right? Someone who's trying to be a famous comedian do. And that sets your values. So you gotta just pick the character you wanna be, understand like, yeah, that's gonna come with these negative things, and then mm-hmm. not think about the other shit as much. Cause like the thing is, is like if you, have, if you think about everything that can go wrong, and have every, every way you are a piece of shit, or every inclination you have to hurt somebody or hurt yourself, God, man, because it's all about opportunity. I think mm-hmm. that's really what it is. You're looking at opportunity. It's not opportunity and creativity act like this is creative people have dark thoughts. Yeah. I, I think that's just the by virtue of letting thoughts in, you're going to get dark ones. Oh, yeah, of course, man. Yeah. And, I think people who do creative things naturally have a vivid ima- imagination. It's exactly. More, it's more of a visual imagination. So when you have like terrible thoughts like they're more visualized so it's yeah. like wow that's that's messed up man it, it well and you but, worry about it well so for me or though some people don't i pull on it because i used to mm-hmm. get worried i used to be like dude i'm thinking about pushing people off bikes or stabbing mm-hmm. people to death dude i um i was in screenwriting way before um i did comedy i'd write the darkest kill scenes like mm-hmm. really 
dark and personal and, and like one of the things uh, like i thought about recently is like shoving a vacuum cleaner inside like somebody's stomach like like his, down yeah. his throat and told him to like write down where the person was and if they, and then they just turned on this industrial vac and sucked out his insides like that, that that's, that's like dark, that, that, and then i just laugh at it because yeah. that's all you can do like the thing is is like if you take it seriously then you're subconsciously like yeah this this is something to be worried about or you could be like ah my brain is kind of fucking weird like yeah. like i was really for a while like you know throwing myself in front of a train was a persistent thought until um i was just like dude uh I'm not going to kill myself like a fucking peasant. And, yeah. you know, you have that thought and it's just like, ah, ha, ha. Or, and, and, and it takes away the seriousness of it. Mm. Because I, I really do think God's a comedian. Yeah. But I think God is a dark, really like blah, blah. But like, he's a comedian. Like, you yeah. know, because there is a comic sense there. You mm. know, and if you can find the comedian magnifying glass, because it's the optic. You know, like Marcel Proust, right? Um, He's a French author, not an existential writer, but has existential themes. And he talks about what is the true pursuit of life. He talks about career success and social Mm -hmm. success, not that. Romantic love. um, Romantic love is in the pursuit, not the actual thing itself. Mm -hmm. But then he says it's in finding the artistic optic. It's in looking at life like it's an artist. And it's about that point of view. And I think that's why it's so important for a comedian. I think one of the things is I think you have anxiety because you, I think maybe you might be alienating an awesome point of view. Mm. Maybe you, your darkness is part of your point of view on reality. And it's not that it's bad. It's just like you could just focus on it and make it lighter, mm. you know, but accept it. Like, because like the thing is, is you have those thoughts, dude. They're going to come in and the more you push back, like, I haven't had a thought like, will you might be gay since I just accepted like, oh, yeah, well, whatever like and yeah. then and then it doesn't bother you because I, I haven't labeled it as bad mm. you know I, I, I haven't given it weight right yeah that makes sense but the thing is he says if you find the artistic if you look at life as constant joy it's banal it's boring mm. like oh yeah everything's happy and you're alienating things about life yeah you need sadness to understand it, happiness yeah you just it's the yin and yang of life. the yin and yang but also in, in that you incorporate it into the picture mm. right and how you want to replicate it that's true yeah I mean, when you look at it, I mean, it's weird though, because when like, when like the intrusive thoughts are bad, I can't write for some reason. Like, <clears throat> like, I've written like, I think like three jokes in the past like six months, and before that, like when things are good, I'm writing a, like I'm coming up with a joke idea every day. Yeah. And I'm co- constantly coming up with new stuff, and that's I think that goes in line with what you're saying is, it's because you're analyzing this stuff as bad, whereas when I'm like above it. It's like this. That's just a thought. Yeah, I'll twist that and see how that's funny. Yeah, right. That's like that's what comedy is. It's it's taking a view of the world that's different than what other people choose to see. Exactly. It's augmenting how you analyze the world and taking it from a funny standpoint. Yeah, that's why everything's comedians. Most like real comedians, everything's funny though. Anything exactly. Can be funny. Well, so one of the things about death, right? That and I talked about this. I think maybe with Corey, but definitely with. Um, Nick is when I got enough distance to realize that even my death is funny like I have laughed at holocaust jokes I'm sorry I have I've laughed at slavery jokes I've had ancestors who lived their entire existence I've laughed at war jokes death jokes polio Mm -hmm. cancer I have laughed at all these types of jokes so that means that people are going to be able to laugh at my death too and you know what Fuck it! <laughs> like, what does it even it could mean? Be funny. Yeah, it could, it could be, be funny. funny. Who cares? Yeah. Like, it, it, the thing is, it's like, dude, if you die and it's black forever, who gives a shit? Then it's, uh, it's gone. I mean, talking about existentialism. I mean, when you look at life, think about the timeline 
of, yeah. of not just your life, but of everything. Exactly. It's a tiny bit. And either that makes it not matter or it makes it incredibly important depending yep. on how you view it because all things are relative. Exactly. So in the grand scheme of all that will exist, maybe it wasn't relevant. But in the grand scheme of how long you existed for, maybe it was very relevant. Well, it's relevant for you, man. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters. Is it, it was real for you. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, one of the things I hate about the romanticized view of love that we have is that it has to be forever for it to mean something. Like, I, I have to love you forever. Like, dude, I, I have had, like, short endeavors with a girl, and it's meant a lot. Like, really short, like, two, three days, and it, it means something, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't have to be forever, right? And that's part of the value. The feeling of it. The feeling of it. And, and it's that it won't be replicated, and you can't hold on to it. I remember one time, I felt this deep, powerful sorrow, like, really deep and powerful. When I was getting ready to go backpack with my friend Jay across Europe, I had just finished my classes in London, and... My friend Jay was going to come in a week, and I knew that my time here was coming to an end. And I felt this deep sadness, and I went to Spider- see Spider-Man, mm-hmm. um, the matinee. And I uh, went, uh, I forget uh, the girl from Superbad, her, but her character. Emma Stone. Emma Stone's character. She says, what makes an experience valuable is that it comes to an end. And her uh, valid Victorian speech. I mm-hmm. cried, man. I cried because it's so poignant and true. It, we, we end. Yeah, eventually... That's the thing is that you you have to accept that eventually the crazy ride that is life stops. It stops. But while you're here. Like that's one of the things I used to say when people would ask if I want kids is one of my one of the things I I honestly think is no one chooses no one asks to be born. Like yeah. no one really asks. Like it's no one like it depends on your belief system. Like some people will say yes you do. Yeah. The way I've seen it is no one asks to be born. But you're here so you might as well live. Yeah. So, I mean, while you're here, enjoy it. Exactly. Take the ride. It, dude, uh, uh, that uh, Bill Hicks, mm-hmm. right? And, like, I, I like a lot of Alan Watts' life as a game. And we're just mm-hmm. choosing choosing what games we play and we're nerve endings of God or existence. And whatever we are, we're part of the galaxy. We're mm-hmm. part of this huge order of things. This man and every now and then just let yourself... Like, this tea is good. This is great tea. Dude, and this tea came from, like, two countries that are way poorer than America. That's so true. Yeah, right? Like, like the, Those kids picking this yeah, tea did a great job. Yeah, and it's like, like if you want to break down the suffering and everything, yeah. that is, like, when, when I was, like, so I'm in this globalization class, mm-hmm. um, the long globalization, and we pick apart how bad some of the stuff is, right? Like, like okay, we say, like, the clo- our clothes are put together in China or, like, you know, our, our phones are manufactured in China or whatever. Dude... They're mined from places in like Congo, which is slavery. Like yeah. legit. Like like you you think no the phone assembly they're still getting paid. They want to kill themselves, but they're still getting paid. There is legit slavery yeah, in this process. We're complicit in so much. That's like that Louis C.K. thing. Dude. Yeah, he's anything like, great. He's like he's like all great things have come from horrible, horrible, horrible things. And and if you take time to think about it, like this is a big sort thing. It's so absurd, right? Our experience, especially globalized experience, right? Like the table, we're rubbing our foot on shit from Brazil, or probably not. This is plastic. Well, this is foam. Don't try and yeah. sell your table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey guys, uh, if you want to, the, <laughs> the, um, but you know, it's like it's how it's all put together. And so sometimes it's better not to question. And part of the thing we've talked about game before. The mm-hmm. dudes I know who are the best at gaming. This has probably been your experience too, or your dumbest friends. Oh yeah, because they don't think about it. They don't think- when you when you start thinking. That's when that's when you start making mistakes. Exactly, because it's because you're overanalyzing everything. It's like, oh, am I saying this right? Like I have that. You know my my jokes. Yeah, like, I have so many jokes about 
like messing up with girls. Yep. And that's because I've gone into those situations like, all right, what are you going to say? Exactly. But when you don't go into it and you just have a conversation, that's when things go well. And, and the, like, they might not be. And, might, also, yeah. and also, if it doesn't mean, if it's not important for you. So girls, like, especially the hotter the girl is, she, she, she has to know that this isn't a big deal for you. Because I've been with girls who are super hot, and like when you're the hotter the girl, the, mo- the more you don't want to be yourself. The more you're like, myself isn't good enough. <laughs> like, you know? Oh yeah, that's, uh, that's something I used to say. I kind of tossed it out of my set, but it was, uh, it was always be yourself. Unless you're trying to pick up a girl, then be whoever you gotta be. be yeah, but like the thing is, and they can sense it because it's, it's in the voice. Like whenever I'm crushing in a game, bro, actually my voice either sounds between like this, like I'm having fun, or like, hey, what's up? And like, it's like this real- that very white switch? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's a piercing thing and it's not held back. Like, cause even if I just try to make it deep, like, hey, what's up? Like that sounds try hard. And yeah. you can tell it's like this commitment and intent and it's, it's, it's all said in between the lines. It doesn't matter the content. It matters how you say it. And I think a lot of life and a lot of anxiety and a lot of pursuing your dreams and a lot of playing basketball well and a lot of doing anything well is on this thing is how you do it right it's like the anxiety is there i think anxiety for and the smarter you are you're a very smart guy he went to purdue for engineering one of the best engineering programs in the nation and you have a lot of thoughts and you can see and you've trained yourself to see what's wrong actually what your job is project management yeah so you in a sense your entire position is how to solve shit yeah and whenever there's no problems in front of you your brain tries to solve shit that's not there that's exactly that's the truth man like because i've looked at it and compared to other people's lives life's pretty much cake i'm a white kid from the suburbs <laughs> family pretty, that loves you and shit family loves me i don't i, I don't think I, i've ever been hit in my life but like and looking at like other people's lives it's like wow i feel kind of bad that i feel bad for myself when other people are living terrible lives but your problems are real yeah like whatever they're real to you real yeah exactly they exist in your capacity for who you are yep so you shouldn't diminish them but you should be aware that yeah other people have worse problems handle your stuff and you can try to help other people i really validate that um in a lot they are real to you Mm -hmm. you know it's like a game of like so i I just put the video on uh, my youtube check out my youtube channel the lazy philosopher okay plug um about how like life is like a game uh love is like a game of monopoly Mm -hmm. and one of the big things I focus on is like, have you ever played a game of Monopoly and you're really into it yeah. and you end up getting super fucking mad? And, oh, oh, dude. If you ask my family about board games, they refuse to play board games with me because like when I was a kid, I would get so, like I literally almost choked my cousin out over a game of Risk. Yeah, yeah, Risk is one of those games too. Risk, I lost my mind over it, dude. But like you get into it, right? And there's all this imaginary context. There is so much imaginary context. And you, I, like I remember I would play my next door neighbor. He was one of the best chess players in the nation and an even better Monopoly player, I felt like. And I felt like he was always, and I'd just like leave and go home. And a couple days later, I'd be like, Holy shit, that was dumb. Yeah. And how many times do we do that in relationships? Oh my god. How, how many so times do you look? Uh, I cared about you're that. You're really angry over little, little nothings. Exactly, because you're playing an imaginary game with mm-hmm. that person. That literally all relationships are are a big game of pretend you play with somebody until you stop playing. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's really what it is. Like, <laughs> who can get up? On top of the other person is what a lot of relationships. Are. And sometimes it's like winning. It's sometimes it's just about vibing. Sometimes it's about killing the time. And like in the in the video, I talk about how 
it's like similar to Monopoly in a board game in the fact that it's only fun if the other person wants to play with you. Like, have you ever played like Risk with someone who doesn't want to play? And, like, oh, whatever. Yeah, it's and they're just rolling, and you're like, "Fuck, dude!" Come I'm on. like, "Come on!" I'm like, "I set up the board. Come on!" You know, and, and, and it's about finding that same investment level, but it, realizing that social things are a game, and you learn what games you can play with people. Now, so I'm a very overwhelming dude. I brush people sometimes the wrong way. Oh no, not you. <laughs> but but like the thing is, I know what games to play with some people and i know some people just don't want to play games with me you know they, they don't want to that's whenever you try to say hey what's up and someone's like hey and then they're you like hold oh. that cold hello it's yeah like, oh. that's like you holding your basketball play hey you want to play pickup nah we're good <laughs> like you know so, okay i'll go i'll go leave and and, and when i i'm in conversation so if people are talking about the past because mm-hmm. like sometimes you know I, i'll get in my head like oh how do i relate i'll be like oh they're playing the relating game they're playing the relating game mm-hmm. and i'll look for opportunities to slowly change the game into something more modern mm-hmm. that i can relate to right because that's what you do with your high school friends oh remember this you know and then like somebody who comes around they just can't stand there can't play that game yeah they don't know the rules they don't have to oh sh- yeah I've been in that. Yeah. I, like most of my friends went to a different college and they will literally sit there and talk about like stuff they've done. And it's like, well, I guess I'll wait for this time so I can start uh, talking about stuff I can relate to. Exactly. But when you know it's a game, you can say like, oh, I'm not supposed to have something to say here. They're not playing this game. And sometimes, you know, it's okay. Dude, no, I bother my friends because I will force myself into conversations. Ah, so I'll be like, nope, I'm, I'm a part of this. I somehow relate to this. That's, uh, that's something I'll do though is like, like this, you could ask anyone I hang out with. They'll, they'll be like, "Yeah, no, Brian, some for some reason has something to say about everything." Yeah, that's what you got to do. You got to work your way in because, like, or it's because sometimes it's like basketball, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you're afraid about making a mistake, you'll never get, get ingratiated, mm-hmm. you know. And one of the big things is just about finding a way for people to incorporate you or really reject you. You you're gonna make them do one. Yeah, and that's it. I think. But back to the anxiety stuff. You you said you're not working out, right? No, I haven't been. I need to start doing it. And I, one of the things I think, like that, that, and going, ah, <laughs> yeah, like uh, just like a big. <laughs> sorry for anyone who had the volume up. Uh, <laughs> just ruined someone's ears. Yeah, up. yeah, right. Just Someone's like, just bleeding out right yeah. now. But like that, like I do that. I used to do that in my stairwell, and like, <laughs> like and like, just and, getting out the natural aggression. Yeah, and because like we live in a compressed society, we're compressed, and we have all of these layers of thought. And what when you scream, it's just kind of like breaking all yeah, that I mean, down. If you look at, I mean, if you just look at genetics too, like we've evolved, so yep. like our base instincts are aggression. So yep. like being able to think above the aggression is a part of being at a higher level of thinking yep. but it doesn't mean the aggression isn't there still exactly so like like I've noticed like over the past couple of months like dealing with like the, uh, the OCD flaring back up is I've been really like over overly aggressive with people for no reason like I'll just be on edge and just like something will just set me off and I'll be frustrated like I, I was like straight up I almost got like some dude to me almost got in a fight in traffic really I was driving home and like uh, you know how if you're in the middle of a turn lane you have to go yeah but like this dude was like was like went through the yellow so I was kind of stuck and I was like the third car back and like this line but I was still in the intersection so I had to go and this dude honked at me and like it was like the dude that like I was pulling out in front of so like like just flipped the bird back behind me like knowing he wouldn't see me but the dude behind me thought I was flipping him off because I'm guessing he honked too so like this dude was so mad like he lost his mind over this like he was like pull over man pull over like behind me and he like started like trying to go around me like and we were going down like a busy street so i got in the lane next to me i like rolled down the window and like tried to calm this dude down i'm like man i wasn't flipping i, I was just having a bad day and like this dude's like no man you want to go 
you want to go? And part of me is like, I kind of want to pull over. Ah. I kind of want to pull over and see what happens. But I didn't. Because, like, the intelligent part of me thought, that's not worth it. Yeah. Like, just because I was having a bad day and this guy probably is having a bad day, too. It's not worth getting in a fight in traffic. No, it's just, there's no win. That would have been a great... That would've, could you imagine if you heard I got arrested for fighting some dude in traffic? Dude, it, it would have been a good story. But I feel like one of the, the things that gets worse about getting older is you lose the privilege of ridiculous stories. Like, ridiculous stories start becoming sadder stories. Oh my god, that's so true. Like, you know? when, when someone's telling you a drinking story and they're like 50 years old, it's like, what's wrong with you? Exactly, because there's a time and a place for things. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I've had those instances too. Like, should I fight? Should I Dude, I'm going to tell you, I really don't have pride. Mm-hmm. Um, I have tons of confidence because it's like self-valuing, but like pride is other people's perception of you. If someone's going to fucking be like, yeah, man, hey, you want to fucking go? You want to go? I'll be like, hey, man, I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest uh, not masculine dude you know, right? Am I right? Like, you know, I don't care. Like, even, even with girls, like when I go out, like I'm doing lots of game and stuff, I've had dudes... Get, dudes get mad, right? Oh, and, dudes get real mad and, real fast. And I'm like... I, I I've had guys get in my face and all this other stuff. Every now and then I'll like I'll do something like this other week. You'll probably be proud of this. Uh, this dude came in on my set, and I'm not trying to like get it. He was real drunk or slovenly. Anyway, he comes around later. He's like, "Hey man, you gonna get laid tonight?" I was like, "No, nah, I'm probably gonna go home, jerk off in my sheets, let the crust build over, and pass out." And he's like, "That's fucking weird, man. That's super weird." And then I'm like, "I'm like, what? You gonna get laid tonight?" He's like, "Hell yeah, bro. I'm gonna get laid tonight." And uh, and I was like, "No, you're not." You said that to him? Yeah, it's like, no, you're not. You're not going to get laid. And then I told him because you look like every other guy in this bar. And I wrote this on Facebook that he said, uh, no, that's exactly why. But no, I just wa- darted away into my circle of. Like, yeah, I'm going to go somewhere safe. Yeah, yeah, around my circle of like Nigerian swole friends. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, like, and that's the closest thing. Because, like, the thing is, he came at me and I was like already kind of feeling down and I bombed mm. earlier that night. But, um, yeah, like. Most of the time, it's not even worth it. Most of the time, I'm like, hey, man, yeah, it's cool. Oh, no, dude. I've, I've, never, been, I've never been in, like, a full-on fist fight in a bar. I've no, had plenty dude. of opportunities where, like, people want to fight me. I'm like, why? Why? Do you see what I look like? It, why do you want to fight me? It, it doesn't what do you get out of this? It, it's so stupid. And that's the thing about alcohol is it can make trivial things a big deal. Like, that's why oh, it's yeah. easier, I would say, to get laid as a dude when you're drunk because, like, you care more. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, like, a lot of guys, I think Hollywood's ruined the thing for guys where they think, like, oh, it should be, like, you just make out with a girl at the bar, and then you're like, hey, let's uh, go grab an Uber, and that's how it goes down. Nah, bro, you guys put up with a lot of bullshit. Like, you got to, like... go do some work. Yeah, you, you got to be, like... You got to maneuver them away from their friends. Yeah, or even hang out with their friends, and some, one of their friends is going to like you, the other one's going to be like, oh, fuck this guy, then you got to deal with the dudes, then you got to, like, move the plans to, like, a place to eat, then somewhere along the way, you got to make a friend trust you enough to maybe, like, like go back to your place... Or more than likely, you go with her back to her place, which is kind of weird because you're inviting yourself along, and then you, you get all the way there, and, and, and you guys are making out, you're doing this, you're doing that, and then she's like, she's like you should go home. Yeah, and then you're like, okay, that's all it. Right, I spent my whole night doing this. this yeah, is, it's six o'clock in the morning. Uh, my tomorrow is ruined, and uh, yeah, I'll sleep through this whole day just to forget about that. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's how it goes down in real life. You know? That's real life, dude. And no, movies like with Ryan Gosling. That's, that's so bold. That's so bold. I have friends who are better looking than Ryan Gosling and still – because it, 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 it's, 
it, it's not that simple. It's not a prepackaged thing. And usually, the more self-esteem you have as a dude, the less likely you are. You're just gonna. Be I like, love Crazy Stupid Love. Like that's a it's great a good movie. movie. It's, it's a, a movie. great movie. Yeah. But I'll I'll watch it on like Ryan Gosling. You get rejected at least once or twice in this movie if it, we're being honest. Exactly. It probably there's more no than way that. this works out every night for you. Well, I so I would say this: if I was at a bar similar to Ryan Gosling, dressed like Ryan Gosling, that was as loud as the bar in Ryan Gosling's movie. Like, where is this bar filled with hot chicks and where they can hear you talk? Oh, seriously. <laughs> like, <laughs> Why are you and Steve Carell the only dudes in this place? Yeah, That's right. Dude, this many hot girls on a weekday, there's at least going to be like a hundred dudes. And Steve isn't getting in. Steve isn't, <laughs> like Steve Carell, you gotta get, you're, wearing, you're wearing Skechers right now. You got to go to the back. Bro. Exactly. Um, but like the more self-esteem I got, the less I cared. Like, so like, I'd be like, all right, I'd make out. We'd make out at the thing. And then I'd be like, oh, I got your Facebook. We'll see if we see each other again. Because I just don't care as much. But when you're drunk... You can't. You're like, oh yeah, nah. This is my mission. I got this. And you, you, that's what alcohol does, though. Alcohol yeah. is uh, it causes your brain to focus on one thing. Like if you look up, like what the chemical oh, because like that's why pool you it, get better. Um, yeah. What happens is uh, you're. It, oh, is it dopamine or is it? I can't remember which chemical I, I read about this, but it turns off one the one of the chemicals and turns the other one on heavier. So your mind becomes you're less like focused. But your mind becomes fixated on one thing, so you're like less aware. Yeah, that's why you're. That's why, like why people are dumb when they're drunk. Yeah, it's because the I want to say I want to say dopamine is what it is. I could be wrong. ASAP Science. Go to ASAP Science. They have this on there. I watched the video. But what it is is like your brain gets so focused on like one thing that like that's the sole focus. Caffeine does the opposite. Is yeah. what that's about. Is like your brain. You can focus more, but like you have more energy. Yeah, I. So I had my first drink yesterday on a date for the first time in like years some things and mm-hmm. I drank like half of the drink I was like this is a fucking drug <laughs> like cuz I, I, yeah, I, I was I was like halfway through this thing I was like man I am kind of tipsy <laughs> like you know That's so true dude it, it's it's intense but one of the things and I think to tie it back to anxiety before we, we wrap this up is Anxiety, I think, is the thing of focusing about the wrong things too much. Mm. A misuse of imagination, right? And, and that you can dream with your imagination, but you can also have nightmares. Yeah. But in nightmares, you have to always accept that, hey, hey. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And like, hey, you know, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Like that monster is trying to have sex with my asshole. Like, you know, like. like your nightmares are very specific. Yeah, right? Like, like, like he goes back to the gay thing. Oh, uh, no, no, no. So, like, the, um, I, I will leave with this. When, when I was going through my, my period where I was like, oh my God, like, am I, am I gay? Like, is, why is, girls don't like me? Blah, blah. And I was like, and I was like super, like, hyper masculine. I was like cutting down trees and shit, shooting oh, guns. Yeah, dude, that's a, that's a form of OCD. Yeah. You look it up, it's like the fear of being gay. Yeah. Well, and then I was like, I got homophobic. Like, yeah. and I'm, I, and that's what I think a lot of homophobia stem from. Yeah, from people being afraid. Of yeah, their fr- own sexuality. Or afraid of people perceiving them as that. Because mm. it wasn't even that I actually thought so. In retrospect, is that I thought other people might think I was because my roommate came out and that I hadn't gotten a girl in so long. And I was like, and the thing is, it showed that I didn't have that much of an identity. Because when you have a strong identity, mm-hmm. you're like, who gives a fuck if other people think you are? You're oh, not. Yeah, <laughs> oh, like when you're aware of yourself, you don't care what other people think. Exactly. It has way less of a burden, right? Mm-hmm. And and so I um I go and, and anyway it it it, re- it reaches this point where I have this dream right mm. and I have a dream where me and my friend Joey who's also like like at the time homophobic guy or whatever yeah. and we're chilling in the hot tub with these girls and we fucking kill them we like Whoa. shoot them like shoot two girls I shoot them and he's like he handed me the gun or something like he he didn't kill them I killed them mm. then I get a call from 
my dad and Joey's dad, and I see a picture in picture, right, of them, mm-hmm. and they're like, we're coming, we know what you did, we know what you did. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I hang up the phone, I'm like running through this like city, and I like run upstairs, and um, or, or it's three girls, I killed three girls, three girls was the amount I killed, and then I run up into the thing, and I, like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to get away, I hear the police sirens, and I'm like, should I kill myself? And then like a voice in my head's like, yes, kill yourself. Then I go, and I blow my brains out, yeah. right? And I close my eyes, all cinematic-like, and I open it, and I'm awake. Yeah. And it was a weird dream. Two years later, I'm talking to this Buddhist woman in the middle of a coffee shop in London, and we're talking about like toxic masculinity. And mm-hmm. I'd had like kind of like a toxic masculine binge of like like tons of like hooking up with girls while it's traveling. And I, I didn't feel me. I felt like mm-hmm. a weird pseudo me. And I was talking to her about it. And I told her the dream. She said, it's weird that you killed three women because three usually means body, mind, and spirit, the trinity. And it's also strange that you also killed yourself. If I was like to interpret it, I would say that you kill in repressing your 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 femininity by trying to appear hyper masculine. You killed your feminine body, feminine mind, and feminine spirit, and in that you realize you could going to kill yourself. Mm. And I was like, holy fuck! I don't believe in dream interpretations at all. But that one was that pretty. Was spot on. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you knew me. Yeah, you been following me. Yeah, right. Like it, it, it hit. It really hit me. And, you know, it's like, dude, yeah, you are what you are. Stop trying to, like, label it. You're, I think the thing is also really intelligent, logical mind is always trying to label things. Mm-hmm. Some of life is unlabelable. You know, mm-hmm. you're just you. Yeah, you just have to be aware of who you are and be confident in your values, your beliefs, and stand by them. Exactly. Ten and, toes deep. Stand ten toes deep. And, and if you want to, like, kill yourself, kill other people because you've had dark thoughts, laugh at that shit. And probably they'll go away. That's, you know? Yeah, that's, that's what you gotta do. Is you just gotta go. Oh, that's weird. And yeah, just move on with yeah. life. Life keeps going. Life goes on. Ain't life, no way around it. And life goes on, and um, sanity is a gift. Life goes on. Pimping the wise don't doubt it. Shout out Frank Ocean. Frank right, Ocean. Um, this is gonna be the end of the episode. Brian, you have social media, right? Yeah, you uh, Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's B R O E three one eight. Uh, I mostly just retweet other funny people. Okay, so if you want to get other funny people's stuff, go to Brian. <laughs> I just parted. <laughs> anyway, that's enough. Uh, like, follow, share. Uh, this might be on the iTunes. Um, if you want, check out my YouTube channel, The Lazy Philosopher, as well. And follow me on Twitter, The Batite. All that below. Thanks, Brian, for coming in this week. Thanks for having me. Dude, Loved it. Godspeed. <laughs>